Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. I was reflecting this week just just on um, the goodness of God. And, and the reality is that, you know, Daniel said so well, sometimes, you know, I like what he said. You got to sing your you got to sing your way into the truth. You know, sometimes what we don't what we do is that we look at our circumstances and we we define really if God is good or not good by how things are going on in our lives. But the reality is is that God is good. That's his nature. It's not like he's good and then a little something else. His whole nature is that he's good. And he does good. And so in that, the reality is, is that although your circumstances might not be going well right now, you can't allow that to frame your perception of who God is. You have to take his goodness and wrap it around everything and let his very nature Bring about everything together for good in your life. So it's kind of like when your mindset is on the truth of, of who he is, it, it sets your emotions right. It, it really helps your emotions align with the truth of who he is. Our father is good. And he's always doing good. And he loves to do good things for his children. And if you've called upon the name of the Lord, you're his. And he loves you, and he, everything about you, he likes you, and he's after you. And, and you know what? A father loves to do good things for his children. I absolutely love to do good things for my children. I look for things to do. I go after them. And I love how a good friend of mine whose daughter... Um, ran away at, a, at an early age and she joined what is known as gutter punks. They jump on trains and they take trains all over the United States. And she would come to the end of her rope or end of her, her circumstances and she really needed her daddy. So all of a sudden, she'd just get on the phone and say, Daddy, I'm in Wichita, Wichita, Kansas, and I'm at this street right here. It's Cherry Street and Lincoln Street, and I need you. And he'd get all on a plane, and he'd be there immediately, and he'd meet her right there. A father goes and gets his children. A father goes and seeks those that are needing his love and attention. It is God's desire ever since creation to redeem you and to go after you. Before you were born, God had a plan to get you, to find you, to love you, to bless you, to be there for you. He had a redemptive plan in mind before the foundation because he was thinking of you, you, everyone in here. His mind was on you 
because he wants to bless you. Because that's what fathers do. They bless their children. God blessed Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He blessed Abraham and said, Abraham, your seed, through your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. He blessed um, Jacob with the firstborn blessing. He blessed the sons of Joseph as Jacob was leaning on his staff. The elders blessed Ruth in Ruth 4 with the blessings of Rachel and Leah, which, which means the blessing of Rachel and Leah. You think, well, what is that all about? Well, that blessing means that God would make you famous. He would make you famous. And I have to kind of think that Ruth's lineage was incredibly blessed because her great-great-great-grandson was King David. And then many generation, generations after that was the one that we call upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the blessing of Rachel and Leah that was blessed upon Ruth through the elders release God's heart to his people and that his heart is one of love and he's wanting these blessings to go down through the generations God is a generational God he says I the blessings of Abraham Isaac and Jacob would be upon you what that means is is that this blessing didn't just stop at Jacob or at Isaac, or the blessing stop at, at one of the patriarchs. The blessing has already caught up to you right now. It has been coming down through the generations, and it's met you. And God's blessing on your life shapes your whole identity. Because once a son and a daughter, always is a son and a daughter. And in that, you're grafted into the family. And God has this big thing in mind. He likes a big family. He's a family God. And you have been grafted into his family and you have been blessed. I mean, the blessings of Rachel and Leah were so powerful that their sons were the leaders over the 12 tribes of Israel. And those Leaders were, were like prime ministers over a country. And so in that, I think that's a pretty good track record. Having all your sons be leaders in all the tribes of Israel. So receiving the Father's blessing is something that we're to hunger for, thirst for, to go after with all of our hearts. Just like when Jacob wrestled God. I mean, get that. I, I still, it just blows my mind. Jacob's wrestling God. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Bless me. You got you to gotta desire so much of the blessing of God that, that it is something that you are so focused on. Because I want you to understand something. The blessing of God 
It's what breaks the curse of the evil one over your life. See, there's two curses. There's the curse that comes down through the law. And that curse was broken by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blood broke the curse of the law. The other curse is, is the spoken uh, curse. And this one is, um, is one that we're, when people speak against you, speak evil of you. And, and this curse is broken with the spoken blessing. So today I'm going to be talking about the redemptive power of the blessing of God. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the spoken blessing of God. So there's two curses. One is broken by the blood of the Lamb, and one is broken by blessing through your own mouth. Because Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. It's a law that has been set in place. Um, you know, when our, our children were younger, at least might remember this, um, Sunday evenings, um, we would gather all of our children together, and, um, and I would lay hands on each of my children, and I would give them a father's blessing. And a father's blessing is one that is speaking just good things over your children. Father wants to give his children good gifts. And I would speak um, good things. I would speak purpose. I would speak what the Lord is saying over them. And that I would bless them with that. And it was such a beautiful time. I just, you know, some of those memories are so, I treasure to this day. Where my children would, would come before me and that I would, I would ask the Father's blessing to be upon them. And, and it, what it does is it shapes you on the inside. It positions you to really be kind of shot forth in a way that um, brings success into your life. I'm going to be talking today just about the redemptive power of, of God's blessing. And this revelation of blessing that I'm going to be unpacking um, is so powerful. This revelation of, of really what our Jewish fathers have known all about for many years is something that um, Bill Ligon talks about in a book called Imparting the Blessing, which is a very powerful book that helps trace the blessings of God down through all the generations and how it has so impacted people's lives and shaped their destiny and who they are as a people. So, as we know in the Bible, there's blessings even in the New Testament. And one of the greatest blessings that was ever given was the Beatitudes found in Matthew 5. It is God through his son Jesus, blessing the people. That is a spoken blessing 
over the people that they're to receive and to just drink in. And at the very end of Christ's ministry, he also blessed his disciples. So if we could pull up that scripture. Let's look at that. And uh, Luke, look at Luke chapter 24, verse 50, 51. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. He just lifted up his hand. Can you imagine that? He's lifting up his hand. He's being lifted up into the air. He lifts up his hands, and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. Now, we don't, we don't have, we don't know, because it's not written, exactly what he was blessing them with, but I have a hunch I know what it is. Look with me in Numbers chapter 6. This is called the, the Aaronic Blessing. And this is a blessing that God commanded Moses to teach Aaron to know how to bless the people of God. To know how to bless them. And it's a blessing that he says, And when you inquire of my name, invoke my name in this blessing, I will stand up and I will bless my people. It is a very powerful thing because God is saying, I am commanding that my people be blessed. I am commanding that my people would receive my heart to them. I want them to know my heart. So number 6 verse 22 says this. And then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. When you just read that, you read it real quick and you think, Wow, okay, bless you and keep you. There's so much to that. When he says, I want to bless you, I want to bless you when you're going out and when you come in. I want to bless the work of your hands. I want to bless you with health. I want to bless you with prosperity. I want to bless you with great relationships. I want to bless you with a, with a spouse. I want to bless you with children. I want to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. And, and it's unlimited what God can do to bless you. And then he says, and then I want to keep you. And what he's saying is, I got your back. I'm going to keep you from the evil one. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to be there for you. And I'm going to stand in your defense. David says, you are my saving defense. And so in that, you bless them and keep them. And the Lord make his face shine on you. You know what that means? That the pleasure that God has for you when he looks at you, just his pleasure, his countenance is upon you and you know he delights in you. He likes you. He loves you. You're his favorite. 
When that look of the Father is on you, when you know He's well pleased, and you know He delights in you, and you know you're His son, you're His daughter, it shapes everything on the inside of your heart. And when He's looking upon you, His light is emanating to you. The very, the very reflection and the pleasure of God as it emanates from His face would emanate from your... Have you ever looked into somebody's face and you can see the light of Christ in them? That's, that's the reflection of the Father. That's the blessing of the Father. You see the light, the countenance of God. And it says, and be gracious to you. That word gracious is an incredible word. Grace... What it does is it enables his children to do what he's called them to do. Grace empowers you. Grace equips you. Grace gives you favor. And favor opens doors that no man can shut. Grace is just an incredible blessing from God that he gives you. That's what grace is. Grace enables you. To perform great and mighty works for God. And then it says, and that he will lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. His countenance. He's a peaceful God. And Jesus says, my peace I give to you and not as the world gives. You know, having resonant peace live within you and not turbulence is a wonderful thing. Having Anxiety and worry and stress and fear, you know, it brings depression. Anxiety weighs down your heart and it brings depression. And, and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ just kind of like lets you know it's going to be all right. Take a deep breath because Papa's in the house. So it gives you that peace and knowing. And then he says, And so they shall invoke my name, God Almighty, on the sons of Israel. And then he says this, And I then will bless them. God is doing the blessing. God is doing the imparting. So God has commanded Moses to teach Aaron how to bless his people. You know, the Jewish people... Know that God has commanded this blessing. And to this day, fathers in, in homes are blessing their children. with They're blessing them with the blessings of, 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 of Ephraim and Manasseh. They're blessing them with the blessings of Rachel and Leah. They're blessing them with good things. And they don't realize it, but they're, they're actually revealing this incredible redemptive plan that God set in place to release into people's lives that would come through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it is the desire of God that the blessings of the Father be passed down through all the generations, all the way up to you and to your children's children and on and beyond. Buzz Lightyear. So the blessings have been passed down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they just now met you. You know, 
The blessing of God is what sets Jewish people apart. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Jews are, Jews are some of the most prosperous people on the planet. You rarely meet a poor Jew. I'm being serious. You might meet a few, but you rarely meet a poor Jew because they're blessed of God. People all over the world are blessed by our wonderful Father. So, Jewish fathers to this day always give what is called a Sabbath blessing to their children, where they place their right hand on the children and they bless them and they impart to them. And you know what? A father's blessing does something internally inside of you. It, it gives you the inner strength and fortitude to rise up and be who God has called you to be. You don't shrink back when the father's blessing is upon you. You know, when there's a lot of pressure today, is anybody experiencing pressure today in life? Do you know what gives you the power to stand in all the pressure? Is the Father's blessing. Because it strengthens you in your inner man so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And that you rise up and you're going to be the head and not the tail. And this internal strength and allow, allows you to endure pressures and hardship and challenges. And you don't buckle under the pressure. It gives you a strength on the inside of you because you know who your father is. And when you know who your father is, then you're no longer feeling like an orphan. Like you don't have a parent. We are no longer orphans. We have a father. And he loves us all. And in that, he wants to bless us richly. He wants to give good gifts to us. And he releases it through his right hand. Hebrews 11, verse 20 through 21. This is the hallmark of faith of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And I want to share with you two families that learned the power of the blessing. So let's start at verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. Verse 21. And by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Here are these two families that learned the redemptive power of the spoken blessing. And it's so important that God makes note of this in the scriptures of these two families that understood the power of the blessing that was imparted to the next generation that he made note of them in Hebrews 11. So I want to look at um, Genesis 27. And I want you to begin to see quickly God's redemptive plan as it was unfolding in the Old Testament. This divine plan is where the younger would receive the firstborn blessing. I want you to under, just listen to what I just said. The younger would receive 
the firstborn blessing. There was a Mosaic law with the Jewish people that the firstborn would receive what is called a double portion blessing. The firstborn would receive a double portion because when the father passed away, he had to care for all of the needs, all of the affairs that are going on with the family. So he needed the extra resources to care for the family. Now, all the children in the family were blessed. The firstborn got what is called a double portion blessing because he had to take care of all the family. And in that, the father would bless and be spoken publicly upon um, the firstborn. And then at his death, then his, the children would receive the inheritance and then the firstborn would receive a, a double portion. So, but in uh, Genesis 25, Isaac and Rebekah are unable, they're unable to have children. And, and they pray to God and they discover that they're pregnant, they're blessed, but they're not only pregnant with one child, they're, they're blessed with two children. And, um, and the two children are struggling in the womb. They're kind of fighting. They're wrestling each other inside. And Rebecca's like, whew, I, I imagine she was having a hard time. These boys are having their little boy fight inside her tummy. She's tired. So she inquires of the Lord. And, and the Lord says to her, there are two nations that are in your womb. Two people will be separated, and those two people will become Two nations and the people and he says and this the older one will serve the younger one the older one will serve the younger one and what this statement is saying it's a messianic statement it's basically a prophetic messianic statement that the older will serve the younger, and the younger will be a great leader. And so in that, Genesis 27, Isaac is getting old, and he's wanting to impart the blessing to, to his firstborn, Esau. So he tells him, because Esau was a great hunter, he said, Esau, you know I'm, I'm getting old, and I want to give you the firstborn blessing. I want you to go out and hunt. Get some game, make a nice savory meal for me, prepare it the way I like, and then after I eat, I want to bless you with the firstborn blessing. So Esau goes on out. Well, Rebecca overhears this conversation. And she looks at Jacob. She said, Jacob, go get a kid. Go get a goat, a little goat, a couple of them. And I want to prepare a savory meal for your father, the one that he likes. And you're going to go ahead and serve him the meal. And after he's eaten, you're going to get the firstborn blessing. He said, well, mom, he said, you know, I'm smooth and my brother's hairy. <laughs> he said, dad's going to really, he's going to find this out. He's going to know that, you know, it's, it's Jacob and not Esau. She said, don't worry, don't worry. She said, if he finds out, he's the curse is going to come upon me. She says, let the curse come upon me. And so what she did was she put, uh, put skins of an animal on his, on his hand and on his arm. 
It was really hairy. And then she put it on his neck. So he had all this hair on his neck. And, and then she put his clothes on him. So he goes and, and they prepare the meal. And, and then he's there and, and um, he's like, man, this is a good meal. Thank you. And, and uh, he said, but, you, you know, you sound like my son Jacob. You sound like Jacob. He said, are you Jacob? No, no, I'm not. I'm Esau. And then he said, well, come close to me. And so he feels his hand, and he feels his neck. He says, he smells his clothes. Says, smells like, the, out, like you've been in the woods. It's you, Esau. So he, he shifted gears, and all of a sudden, he gave the firstborn blessing to Jacob. So then all of a sudden, Esau comes back in. He has his savory meal already cooked. And he said, Father, I'm here to get my firstborn blessing. And it says in the scripture that Jacob violently shook. The reason he violently shook, I believe, is that because he realized he was just about ready to give the firstborn blessing to Esau, when God had prophetically spoken to him when the babies were in the womb that the younger would be greater than the older and that the older would serve the younger. He just about missed, messed up. And it says he shook violently. It was a holy moment. But what God was doing at that very moment is that he was setting the stage for a redemptive plan that would impact you, that would reach you where you are right now. God was unfolding this marvelous plan. So now later on, Jacob is old, and he's about to die, and Joseph, his son... Uh, who moved his father uh, from Canaan to Egypt to be with him. And his father is old, and it says that he's about to die. So Joseph wants his two sons to be blessed. And in that, he, he, called, he brings his two sons to his father. And his two sons, the older one's Manasseh, the younger one is Ephraim. So he brings his two sons up to Jacob, and Jacob is, is very old. And so in that, I want to kind of, could I, could you come here? Matt, you're Joseph. You're Joseph. Tall Joseph. Come here for a second. Come on, Connor. And um, who else do we have in the house this this young? Anybody else? Come on. Come on up here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay. So now, so you're going to be, you're going to be here. You're right here. You're going to be Ephraim. Give me a high five. Way to go. You're Manasseh. You're, You're the older one. Now, you're going you're gonna to face me like this, 
Okay? Okay. Okay. You're Ephraim and you're Manasseh, and you both are sons to, to this guy, Joseph. So this is your dad right here. Now, so, so I'm old, and, um, and what's going to happen is that, um, that, remember, the firstborn blessing comes with the right hand because it's the greater hand. Because right now Jesus is sitting right now where? At the right hand of the Father. The blessing comes from the right hand. So what happened is when Jesus blessed his people, he stretched out his hands and he blessed them. So what happened is that the firstborn blessing, which gives the double portion, would normally go to the firstborn. But what happened at this moment, Jacob gets ready to bless his sons. Okay? Now, at this moment... I'm getting ready to pray and, and pray a blessing over you guys. And what I do normally is, is I would go like this and put my hand upon the firstborn, Manasseh. But all of a sudden, what I do here is I do this. And I put my left hand on Manasseh and my right hand on Ephraim. Now, this upset Joseph. So, Joseph, I want you to try to separate my hands and put them where they're supposed to be. Okay? You say, no, no, Father. No, 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 no. No, no. No, no. <laughs> Son, I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. It's going to be okay. Now, let me, let me bless the children. So... Actually, Joseph relented. Joseph was, uh, okay. And all of a sudden, then the firstborn blessing came upon Ephraim, and the secondborn, and then my left hand, which would be the secondborn, came upon you. Now, you were blessed, yeah, that's cool. but he got the double portion blessing. That just means he had to take care of the family when I pass away. So, but you guys are both blessed. Man, you guys are awesome. Give me five. All right. Thanks, man. Okay. All right, Joseph. Okay. So I want to read this to you um, uh, in Genesis 48. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Now, it came about after these things that Joseph was told, um, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in bed. Verse number 5. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh. Do you see what just happened right there? All of a sudden, you think, is this a, is this a, a mistake? Is, is this not written correctly? All of a sudden, Jacob is unfolding a messianic redemptive plan by acknowledging the secondborn first and the firstborn second by saying, 
Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simon are. But just look at that. He doesn't name the older one first. This was unprecedented. You've got to understand something. This was unprecedented when it came to Jewish tradition. The younger, naming the younger first and the older second. So verse 8, and when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now my eyes, now may the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close and he asked them and he kissed them and he embraced them. Aren't you glad they didn't kiss you? <laughs> it's okay. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right. Do you see how Joseph is like, he's positioning them. He's like, come on, Manasseh, get right there, right hand. It's going to be a slam dunk right there. Just be real close to him. With his left hand toward Israel's right, and he brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. So when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. And he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, not, not my father. Joseph said to his father, not so my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. I know what I'm doing. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall be a multitude of nations. He blessed them at that day, saying, By you Israel shall pronounce blessing, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Was this a mistake by God? No. God is obviously up to something by reversing the order. He's setting the stage for something great to be released in you. He's setting the stage. He's preparing it. So turn with me to Malachi 1. The Lord of Malachi 1 is declaring to God's people, He's saying to them, I love you, I love you, I love you. God is he's making His heart known how much He loves His people. And, but the people respond to God and they say, How have you loved us? I mean, the people are unhappy. They're saying things like, well, if you loved me, why am I financially broke? If, if you loved me, why, why am I sick? If you love me, 
Why am I still single? If you love me, why am I feeling like I'm alone and destitute? And, and they begin to complain, saying, if you really love me, why am I in these circumstances? And the questions go on. And then God says to the prophet Malachi to address the people. He says, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. <laughs> the people were thinking, Okay, did I just ask the wrong question? I, I just complained that I am financially broke and you're telling me that you love Jacob and you hate Esau? Am I not getting this? I mean, if you cried out to God and God says, I have an answer for you. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. You would be thinking... What? What are you saying here? And then God. You know, there came a time that you cried out with your heart to God. And Paul in Romans 9 begins to unpack um, this issue of salvation, this eternal salvation that you and I have. So let's look at Romans 9. Paul has a great concern for the salvation of the people of Israel. And so much, so much that he was willing to even give up his own salvation that Israel be saved. He would be willing to be made destitute and, and to be removed from all eternity, so that his people would be saved. Paul says this in verse 3, For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the, to the flesh. I mean, Paul is really revealing the depths of his love for his people. And he's so much in love with God's people that he's willing to give up his own salvation that God's people be saved. Now that's love. That is some kind of love. That you're willing to lay down your life, even to the point of laying down your own salvation, that another person would be saved. You know, as a parent, I really know that kind of love. I would, I would lay down everything, give up everything for my, for my children. I would do, I mean, I would do anything because I love my children. You know, my wife knows that. I would. I would. I would give it all for the sake of my children to be blessed. Paul, what he's doing here, he's introducing God's plan of redemption that started from the beginning of mankind. And we, we look at verse 9 through 13. For this, the word of promise at this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son and not only this, but there was when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would, would stand, not because of the works, because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older 
will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. That really does sound like a pretty strong statement, doesn't it? It's like, it just, it doesn't sound very loving, does it? That you love one person and you hate another person? There was one time in your life when you were lost and you had no hope in life. You had no direction in life. You were afraid. And you cried out to God and you appealed to Him for help. And God knew that He had to do something to act on your behalf. To give you the gift of eternal salvation and release the blessing in your life. But God has a problem. He only has one life. He doesn't have these different kinds of lives like we have different colors. Like I give you a blue life. I give you green life. I give you purple. I give you pink. There's not different variations of life. He has only one life. And that life is Jesus. It is the life of His Son, Jesus. So let's look at 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I've written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. God has only one gift of eternal life. And God has given us that eternal life through His Son. And then we cry out to God that we want the gift of eternal life. But Jesus has the life. Jesus is the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of the brethren. So God says, all right. And he reaches over to his son. And he gives to you his life. You receive life. Jesus receives your sin. You live and Christ dies on the cross. Jesus becomes the curse and you get the life. Now the blessing of the firstborn is now resting upon you. The scripture says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Jesus became cursed so that you might receive the firstborn blessing. Now the firstborn blessing rests upon you and now you're responsible for your father's household. You're responsible for the things of God that he's entrusted to you and that he's given you because you have received now the inheritance that is the firstborn blessing. So you cry out to God later and you say, you know, God, if you really love me, why are bad things happening to me? Why is it that I'm sick? 
Why is it that I'm in financial problems? And when you cried out, you made your appeal to God. And God says to you, was not Jesus your older brother? Yet I loved you, and I sent Jesus to the cross. For God demonstrated his love to you in that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He took the blessing. Do you understand this? He took the blessing of the firstborn that was Jesus and he put it on you. You deserve to die and you're living. He deserved to live, but he died. Now God has raised him from the dead and he's brought him back into fellowship with you. To be with you forever. Because the firstborn blessing now rests on you. And when you made an appeal to God for the gift of eternal life, God did this to you. He took his right hand and he put it on you. And he blessed you with the firstborn blessing. Jacob, I loved, secondborn. Esau, I hated. Does God hate sin? Who became sin? Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. The redemptive plan of God was birthed back in Genesis in the early days and has been moving down through the generations to catch up with you for that day when you said, God, I am lost. I'm scared. I don't know where you are. I am broke. I have no hope. And God says, I have the answer. Because you're my firstborn. And now I do this to you. And you get the firstborn blessing that my son had. I've given it to you now. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Now when God made that statement, it did not make sense back then. Does it make sense now? That you as the secondborn now have the firstborn blessing of God. Do you think it's God's desire that He wants to bless you and keep you? Do you think it's God's desire that He wants to bless you with good things? Do you think it's God's desire that He wants to bless you so richly that it would shape your destiny and your future? You know, As the firstborn blessing rests upon you, do you know what it does? It breaks the curse of the law. The law of performance. The law of having to be right. The law of having to be perfect. The whole performance mentality that you have to be good is broken off of you because you're blessed. 
It is a blessing that releases the curse off of you so that you might walk in the fullness of your inheritance. So from the beginning of time, God has been wanting to bless you as a father would his children. And he goes to any length so that he might be good to you. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So trouble's here to stay. But God is good. And we can't allow the trouble, the challenging circumstances, to shape our perspective of what we think of God. Because trouble and hard times and difficulty have nothing to do with God. And God's saying, you know what? I know it's hard. But I have the ability to work together everything for your good because you're my son and you're my daughter. That's just what a father does. A father knows how to work through difficult situations and bring about everything together for good to bless his children. Matthew 7.11 says this, If you then being evil, you're not really evil. If you then being evil, meaning that of the, of the nature of, of your flesh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Do you, do you all want to be blessed? Do you guys want to have the blessing of God upon your life? Then you simply ask for it. He said, ask. Ask him. And believe that he wants to give you good things. You have to believe that it's his desire to want to bless you with good things. So let him do what he does best. And that is bless you. He's a good father. Some of us have had very challenging fathers on this earth that have not always been there for us. Maybe your father's even left you. Mom and dad separated. Your father hasn't been real nice to you. Your father hasn't been very pleasant to be around. He didn't model maybe what a, the father would, what you would desire to be. But the reality is, is that you have one true father that can change your very perspective on what a father's love is all about. Right now, you might be looking through a lens of your earthly father, of what a heavenly father is, and it really looks distorted. But see, the truth is, we have to realize what God's word says about himself and allow the truth to shape your perspective of the lens that you're looking through. Because that's what's called the transformation and the renewing of the mind. It's to be a reformation inside your mind in the way you think 
all of a sudden you don't think about God the Father because you're thinking about your earthly dad. You're seeing it through a lens of truth. And I love what Daniel said today. Sometimes you just got to sing your way into the truth of what, who God is, our Father. I'm going to end with this. You know when Jesus gathered the children? You know what it says in the scripture? It says he gathered the children. And, he, and I imagine he put them up on his knee. And it says he blessed them. He blessed the children. And you know, I have to, we don't know in scripture what he was blessing the children with. But I have an idea that he was blessing them with the blessings of Ephraim and Manasseh. The blessing of the secondborn would receive the firstborn blessing. He would bless them like Rachel and Leah. He would take the little girls and he would bless them with Rachel and Leah that they would be famous in the land. I imagine Jesus was releasing the spoken blessing over their lives and those little children were just drinking it in. Because they knew what he was talking about. And so in that, today your heart needs to drink in the reality that your father really wants to wrap his arms around you and give you a big hug and look you in the face and tell you, I love you, I bless you, may the Lord keep you. May my face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I lift up my face right now, my countenance to you. Look me in the eyes. I lift up my countenance right now. I lift up my face to you and I bless you with grace, with graciousness, with my grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. And I'm just going to lift up a happy face right now, my countenance. And I'm going to bless you right now with my peace. My shalom peace. And you know what? There's a settling that comes to your heart of knowing that things are good. Things are good with God. Your heart can rest and you're not hurrying around. You're not trying to get his attention. You're not trying to perform for him. You're able to just rest in the reality of the Father's lap, his lap of love. Just let him give you a big hug.